Amen. All right, let's get started. All right, I see y'all tagging. All right, Brenda, I see you. I already got the alarm set. I better go set mine and uh, and make sure when you set your alarm uh, that you have a.m. and not p.m., all right? Make sure your alarm says a.m. and not p.m., all right? So tonight's objective is very simple, all right? So I'm doing lesson one, lesson one's over salvation. And the objective for tonight is this, that every partner at FOC will be able to give a biblical scriptural-based answer for the reason of hope that is in them concerning salvation. So when you walk away from here tonight, I want you to be able to tell someone what it means to be saved, some of the benefits of salvation, can I, and some of the questions, can I lose my salvation after I get saved? What does that look like? Those type of things. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, because what other better place to start than talking about salvation, right? Because that's the beginning of it for us all. All right. So praise God, uh, Tamika, that you your signal is strong enough that you can join us tonight. So first of all, let's talk about this. And I'm just going to go. I'm a teacher. So I'm just going to go through this for uh, bullet by bullet so that we can make sure that we take our time and discuss the things that we were wanting to discuss. So number one, our first topic, what does it mean to be born again? So many of you guys know that word, the word salvation means sozo or that word or, or shalom. In essence, it means that you have been delivered, you have your whole, you've been restored, you have peace and prosperity. And so many times when we got saved as children, I, let me speak to my for myself. When I got saved, I thought of salvation only as this thing that got me to eternal life. I didn't understand the earthly benefits of being a born again believer. I knew that if I wanted to live, if I died and I wanted to live the rest of my life with Christ uh, in heaven, then I had to give my life to Christ. I had to be born again, right? And so that's just only a small caveat of what salvation is all about. You'll, you'll hear me talk about in a moment how we we, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved, right? So that part about salvation and spending eternity with Jesus is only a third of what salvation is all about. Yes, we're going to die. If you're saved, you're going to die, and you'll spend eternity with heaven. But there are so many other benefits that you will reap right here on earth due to you understanding salvation. Salvation is much like your insurance policy, right? So if you ever took the time to read your insurance policy, you'll realize that there are some benefits that you have that you haven't been taken advantage of. One, uh, one time I lost a key fob to my truck uh, and it was like a $300 key fob. And I was just like, man, I really don't want to pay this money. And the Holy Spirit said, well, call your insurance. I'm like, why would they pay for me to get another key when I lost it. And I was like, well, whatever, Holy Spirit, I do it. I called them. They're like, yeah, that's part of the policy that you have. We will replace your key fob up to one time a year, up to like five or $600. So just go pay for it, bring us the receipt and we're, you're covered. And that's about like, that's, sal that's like salvation for the Christian. We have so many benefits within salvation. And if you only get tied up with trying to understand that salvation is just about going to heaven, then you're going to miss out on so many benefits here on earth. All right. So that word salvation, this is how I like to sum it up. 
Salvation is the preservation or deliverance from all things meant to bring you harm, ruin, or loss. Salvation is the preservation or deliverance from anything meant to bring you harm, meant to bring you ruin, or meant to bring you loss. So when I got born again, what happened was not only did I seal eternity for my life, but what salvation brought me, uh, just the heater was left on, it's hot in here. What salvation brought me was prevention from harm, prevention from ruin, and prevention for loss. So what if, what, what do we know about the enemy? He comes to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. But as a born-again believer, as a, as a born-again believer under salvation, I am preserved from I am preserved from loss and I'm preserved from death. Those are all things that salvation preserves and delivers me from. All right. So salvation can be best defined. Another way to define it is receiving God's deliverance from everything, from all of life curses. So when you got born again, everything that you read about over there in Deuteronomy 28, all those curses, well, you're no longer under that. Why? Because when you got born again, that's what happened for your life. You were delivered from all those curses. I'm sorry if y'all hear something that's my dog barking. Salvation cannot and should not be limited to just the idea of getting into heaven. So go ahead and type this. I will not limit salvation to eternal life. I will not limit salvation to just eternal life. Why? Because salvation is much more than just eternal life. Here are three things that salvation does for you. All right. Let's talk about this. Salvation does these three things for you. It delivers you from sin. Salvation establishes us in righteousness and salvation removes the guilty verdict. All right. So those are the three things that salvation does for us. It delivers us from sin. It establishes us in righteousness and it removes the guilty verdict. All right. So what are you talking about, Ralph? It delivers us from sin. Over in Matthew 1, verses 21, verse 21, it says, and a lot of what I read tonight will come out of the Passion Translation, okay? So Matthew 1 and 21 says this, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from sins. So Jesus' death, Jesus' birth, his death and his resurrection was designed so that we may be delivered from sin. So the first thing that salvation does for me, it delivers me from sin. And I'm going to go through some of this quickly because a lot of it's going to be repetitive. So the teaching will be, it will spiral through as we go through the lesson tonight. Uh, the second thing, it establishes us in righteousness. So when I got born again, I was delivered from sin. All right. So not not just sin of the past, not just sin of the present, but also sin of the future. All of your sin has already been taken care of. It has already been paid for. His blood is the same blood that healed you. Uh, the same blood that forgave your sins on the cross then is still continually forgiving you of sins now. All right. So you're delivered from sin. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says this, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who do not know righteousness may become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So when I got saved, and here's one that you really want to take advantage of 
as a born again believer, right? And understanding salvation, you got to understand that not only were my sins delivered, but I was established in righteousness, right? That's what 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says. He says that he made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin, right? So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So when I accepted Jesus into, when we accepted Jesus into our life as our Lord and our personal savior, what it did, it established us in righteousness. So now I can boldly say that I'm not a sinner, but I am the righteousness of God. What does it mean to be the righteousness of God? That means I am justified. That means I'm in right standing with my father. That means that when I go to him, then he's able to accept me because he sees me covered in the blood of Jesus. That means that no sin, no condemnation, and none of those things will limit my ability to access the father and his throne. That I can go in and out of heaven as my faith allows because while I am the righteousness of God, I am a member of heaven and I have access to all of heaven's resources because I am in right standing, right? I am the righteousness of God. That was established through salvation, all right? And then it removes the guilty verdict, all right? So no matter how many times the enemy tells you you're not worth it, no matter who tells you that you're, you are, you're valueless, no matter who tells you that you're guilty, that you should be ashamed, and all of those things, salvation delivers us. It removes the guilty verdict. Ralph, how can you prove that, all right? Let's run on over there to Romans 8 and 1. It says this, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. It says the case is closed. There's therefore no condemnation. There's no accusing voice. So no matter how the enemy tries to tell you that you're not worth it, that Jesus, is, I mean, God's not gonna listen to your prayers, that, 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 that the house, you're not valuable enough to get the house. That Because that, what he does is you, you don't know enough to get the job. You don't deserve a good husband or good wife. You don't deserve those things. Those are all just accusing voice of condemnation. Those are all things that's trying to come against you. But here's the thing. The guilty verdict has already been taken care of. You are innocent. The case is closed. It can't even be tried again. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has made you whole and through salvation, you are the you have been established in righteousness and you have been proven innocent and no accusing voice of condemnation can come against you. Why? Because I am joined in eternal life with Jesus Christ. Why? Because salvation makes that all possible for me. The case is closed. Now, and when we talk about salvation, understand that when when we when you got saved at whatever age you got saved at, whether that was 25, whether that was five, whether that was 55, you're not perfect. What salvation does, we accept Jesus into our Christ, into our uh, life as Lord. We accept him into our life as Savior. And so when I say that he's my Lord, what I am saying is, I no longer control my own life. I am no longer boss of me. 
I accept Jesus as my Lord and he is my Lord. It is his job. It is his obligation to take care of me. He is my savior. He is my redeemer. He is my friend. He is everything that I need him to be. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my restorer. He is my ever-present help in a time of trouble. He is anything that I need because when I got born again, salvation entitles you to the throne. So I have access to I have access to the great I am who has a capability to become peace of mind when you're anxious. And he has the ability to become to become uh, peace in the mid middle of an angry situation. He has the ability to become healing when you encounter affirmities against your body. He has the ability to become whatever you need. And through salvation, what did it do? It preserved you. It delivered you from anything that cause you harm, to cause you ruin, or to cause you loss. So because I'm saved and I'm born again, I have a right to live a healthy life. Because I am saved and because I'm born again, I have a right to debt freedom and financial prosperity. Because I am saved and because I'm born again, I have a right to peace of mind. Because I am saved and because I'm born again, I have a right to have a family that is whole and complete. Because I'm saved and because I'm born again, I have a right to access new levels in my occupation, new new levels in my career. I have a right to those things through salvation because what it, salvation does is it, it, keep, it gives me access to my father. Why? Because before you were born again, you were unrighteous. Before you was born again, you, you were condemned by that voice. Before you were born again, you were subject to ruin, you were subject to loss, and you were subject to harm. But when I transitioned through accepting the death, the the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and accepting him into my Lord, into my life as Lord and Savior, what I did for me was deliver me from sin and all its consequences. What it did for me is establish me in righteous, righteousness. What it did for me is gave me an a innocent verdict, right? So, but salvation did not make me perfect, all right? But <clears throat> what salvation does is a it's threefold. You are saved right now, right? Uh, you've run over there to Romans 3, verses 23 uh, through 24. It says this, for everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely make us right in his sight. Now let's talk about that for, for real quick. You can't earn salvation. You can't work for it. You can't pray for it. You can't do enough deeds for it. But the same way you can't do anything to earn it, you can't do anything to lose it. Salvation is always there for our access. So how did I become, how do I get saved? It says Jesus freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Salvation was God's idea. Go ahead and type that. Salvation was God's idea. Like my son Aiden being here, he his existence was 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 our idea. Me and April had to come together and agree on some things so that Aiden could be here in this earth. And so what Jesus did, he says, "Look, I have loved them before they even understood what love was. I have loved them before they even existed in this earth. I have loved them before earth ever existed itself." It says from the foundation 
before the foundations of the earth was formed, God knew us and he loved us. And so what he always was trying to do from the time Adam sinned was to get us back into the place where we can experience that love because sin had separated us from experiencing God's best. And if you read in the Old Testament, his spirit was not able to reside in people because of their unclean temple, their unholy uh, existence because they had sin in their life. So what happened was when Jesus died on that cross and, and through salvation, what it did, it gave us the ability to have a temple that was clean enough to inhabit once again, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And so now that when I got born again through salvation, I have access to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, through salvation, I have the ability to have the God of this earth living on the inside of me so that I can do, I can live, I can exhibit his glory or his character inside of this earth so that men may be drawn to the God in me and the kingdom may grow. Through salvation, I have access to all those things. And so, yes, you're not perfect, but you are saved, right? Why are we saved? Because Jesus it was God's idea to, to free me. It was said he freely makes us right in his sight. Why did we need to be right in his sight? Because God can't give his best to things that are not righteous. God can't give everything he has. He can give the inheritance of the, uh, of, of the kingdom to somebody that doesn't live in the kingdom. How many kings do you know who's out here leaving their kingdom to somebody that's not part of the kingdom? It just doesn't happen. So he needed to reconcile us back to the kingdom so we may inherit what he had for us to enjoy this whole time. So that we may be the regents in this earth where we go throughout the earth declaring and taking territory on behalf of the kingdom. That's why we needed that. So he said, I got to get them saved or I got to restore them back to their original state. So let me get to this. We are saved. Second Timothy, second, yeah, second Timothy 1 and 9 says he has saved us. So I am already saved. And that salvation has to do with your deliverance from sin, right? So I'm already delivered from sin. I'm delivered from parents past sin, current sin, and future sin. All sin has been taken care of, yet I am being saved. If you went over there to Philippians 2, you, we'll talk about it later. We are being saved, and we'll talk about what that looks like. We'll talk about, uh, last week, I actually talked about not neglecting your salvation, right? We are constantly being saved, right? Our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, our intellect, in other words, our, our encapsulated soul is constantly being saved to resemble more of what God looks like. All right. And then lastly, we will be saved. Right. And that's what we all know about when we talk about uh, eternal life. So we are saved. We're delivered from sin. We are being saved. That means our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect and our imagination are all coming into agreement and alignment with the word of God. We're growing and we're maturing. And then we will be saved. And that's the second coming of Christ when we are all spend eternity with the father. All right. So real quick, what's the process of becoming born again? All right. So a lot of us grew up Romans 10 and 9. We know that. Uh, 
Romans 10 and 9, it uh, states, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, all right, declaration, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, faith, you will be saved, all right? Now, it doesn't say that you got to pray a certain prayer. It doesn't say that you got to say it a certain, certain way. That's not what it said. It says, if you open your mouth and, and confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, you will be saved. Then in verse 10, it says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So right now, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, all right, and you want to be born again, you might have said, I've been going to church, I've been attending things, and, it, and you may say, you know what, and we're going to do it at the end. Man, I didn't know I was entitled to all these things through salvation. When I got born again, I just got born again because I didn't want to die and go to hell. Baby, salvation is so much more than hell, all right? If all you use salvation for is, is to escape hell, you would have missed out on, on the majority of the goodness in which God has for your life, all right? Because think about it. Salvation was just about avoiding hell. When we got saved, we're just be raptured and go to heaven. But that's not the case. Salvation gave you access to become a temple to indwell the housing of the Holy Spirit so that you may become just like God in this earth. Through salvation, I have the ability to be just like God. I know it bothers you. I know it messes with folks' religion, but absolutely, the indwelling supernatural power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you gives you the ability to be just like God. But that's the part of we are being saved. So as long as your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect are in, they're always battling against your salvation. When he's talking about don't neglect your salvation, don't let what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. Don't let what you touch cause you to neglect the righteousness that I've established you in. Don't let your soul neglect the goodness that I've called you to experience. Don't let your soul cause you to feel condemned when I have already proven you innocent. Don't let your soul do that. Why? Because your soul is going to neglect that your, your salvation. That's why it says we are saved, but we are being saved because as we be, as we, as we be saved, more saved, as we become more saved, as we exhibit uh, and reflect the glory of God, the fullness of salvation, we become more and more like our father because salvation was the doorway that gave you access to inherit the very essence of your father's spirit. All right, because without salvation, there will be no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Without salvation, there will be no dudamus. There will be no power. Without salvation, there will be no. I mean, we get that we we get that you'll go to hell, but let's talk about what you're gonna get from salvation while you living, right? That without salvation, there will not be access to peace of mind. Without salvation, there will be ruin. Without salvation, there will be loss. And without salvation, there will be theft. And without salvation, there will be harm. And there will be nothing that you could do about it. But because you are saved, you have been preserved. Served, you have been delivered from all ruin, all harm, and all loss through the benefits of salvation. All right. So let's get back. What's the process of becoming saved? I become saved when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
I become saved when I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And it says, by faith, I am saved. So what do I need to do to have uh, to be saved? I need to confess, Jesus, I want, I want you to be the Lord over my life. And I believe in my heart, Father, that, that, you, that God raised you from the dead. You, you, have, you were born to, for salvation. You died for salvation. And you rose again for my salvation. Think about that. From the beginning of time, God was orchestrating how to get his presence back into you. That's what salvation all was all about. Jesus came to restore back to us what God had given Adam and he lost when he bit that apple. All this time, God was thinking about a plan to get you back. And that's what salvation did for us. So I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. And by faith, I am saved in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter if you didn't feel any different. Your hand, that you, I, I always forget this. I'm not the best with some of it. Like my hands knew, my feet knew, something else, something do too. Uh, but, at, but at the end of the day, uh, your hands may not look new. Your feet may not look new, but that doesn't mean anything. Don't let your soul convince you of something that, that's not true. By faith, you are saved. God, I believe that you're my Lord. God, I believe that Jesus came to die for my life. So right now, I am saved. But I didn't shed no tears when I was up. It didn't matter about your tears. It didn't matter if you jumped for joy, if you didn't jump for joy. Believing Salvation is something that is accomplished. Hold on, I gotta block somebody. I don't know what that is, so I'm just gonna block them. Uh, you don't get to come on folks' page doing all kinds of stuff, so we're gonna block them. If that was a good link, I'm sorry, uh, but I don't know what that is. So, uh, sorry about that. So, salvation is only available through Christ. So let's let's get that straight. You can, you can't get salvation at Sam's Club. You can't get salvation at Dillard's. You can't get salvation at Walmart. I know Amazon sell a whole lot of stuff, but you can't get salvation there either. Salvation is only available through Christ. And here's your scriptural reference for that. Acts 4 and 12 says, there is no other name whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. The only name that you can be saved through is the name Jesus Christ. John 4 and 16, 14 and 16. Let me slow down. John 14 and 16 says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by who? Me. So no matter no matter what they talk about, that you can get salvation all these other places. Listen, you can't get salvation anywhere but through Christ. He is the way, he is the he is the only way to get there, right? I remember when I used to have a membership. Well, I have a membership at uh Sam's Club, and they used to not let you in the door without showing that little Sam's Club card. And so for us, the only access to salvation is through Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, when God created everybody, every person has a yearning to be connected back to the Father. And so many times, the things that we look for in this earth, we're really desiring God, but we're looking for the, the presence of the Father through wrong things. Why? Because every person has a desire to belong. 
Every person has a desire to be uh, empowered authority. Every person has a, a desire to, to, to be established, right? And so because we want to belong so bad, we often give our bodies, we give our emotions, we give our th things like that to other people. Why? Because you are naturally born with a desire to desire to belong. When God created Adam, God created Adam and saw that he was by himself. He created Eve. He created relationship. You desire relationship, not because desiring relationship is ungodly. You desire relationship because desiring relationships is godly. But what happens is the relationship that you need to desire most of is the vertical relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and not the one with with, with some dude or some girl, but because you desire that and it's an innate characteristic within us to desire relationships, then we go over there seeking out those relationships, not really understanding that you're always out there having sex. You're always trying to belong to things because we're really looking for God. You, I mean, you're, you're always trying to find a fix. The fix that you need is God and it's innate within you to want it, but we look forward to so many bad other bad places, all right? So let's keep going so we can make this under hour, all right? So we've discussed already, what does salvation uh, do for me? It preserved and delivered me from harm, ruin and loss, right? We understand that it delivered us from sin. We understand that it established us in righteousness. We understand that it removed the guilty verdict. I am innocent, all right? We also realize that we are not perfect, right? We are saved. We have been delivered from sin, right? We are being saved. That means our, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, our intellect are all coming to agreement and alignment with the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us so that we may become just like Christ. And we understand that we will be saved when Jesus returns in the second coming. We'll all spend eternity with the Father, all right? So that's what we've talked about. We talked about the process of being saved in Romans 10 uh, and 9, that I need to believe in my heart. I need to confess with my mouth and through and by my faith, I am saved. All right. So now let's talk about what does salvation cost me? All right. What does salvation cost me? The self, it costs Jesus his life. That's what salvation costs. It costs Jesus his life. If you run over there to 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19, through 20, it says, you are not your own, but one who has been brought with the price. What would salvation cost you? It'll cost you your ownership. Ownership of what? Your own life. Because when I, because to, to be saved means to accept Jesus as Lord. See, that's the part of salvation that, that I don't think we understand because in, in this country of America, we live in a democracy. And when you live in a democracy, sometimes, not sometimes, you always think your opinion matters. You always think that you uh, got, you, you have a right to tell somebody else how you feel. You always think that you should be heard. But baby, when you live in the kingdom of God, excuse me, when you live in the kingdom, you got to understand that the rules are different. The kingdom is a theocracy. So when I get what is salvation going to cost me, it's going to cost me my life. The same way it cost Jesus Christ his life, it's going to cost me my life. It's going to cost me understanding that though I may have an opinion, it doesn't matter in the kingdom. That though I may have thoughts about how things should go, it doesn't matter in the kingdom. That though Jesus may ask me to do something, I don't get the right to rebuttal. Because in the kingdom, the king rules. In the kingdom the king rules. So that we have to understand that though you may be intelligent, that the, 
though you may be, you know a lot about a lot of things at the end of the day, Jesus came. And so when I got saved, I accepted him into my life as Lord. And so as the Lord, then that's how it goes down. I, I have a, I have an investment property and I, so I'm a landlord. And so I have somebody that lives in my house. And so uh, though they live in the house, they don't own the house. Though they have rights to turn lights on when they re get ready. Though they have the right to leave and to come as they go. The major de the decisions about what happens on that property belong to me. Why? Because I'm the Lord of that land. So we live in, we're, so the Jesus is the landlord of our bodies. He gave us this body to walk out into this earth to accomplish the task of the kingdom. So because I do that, my tenant can be doing something at the house. And because I'm not like God, I won't know what's happening. But when I find out, it's not good. See, the difference with that is Jesus always knows what's happening. And so when I take my body to places that it doesn't supposed to go, when I take my, my thoughts to places that they don't supposed to go, when I take my money to places that they don't supposed to go, what I do is that I become Lord over my life. And when I become Lord over my own life, then I become responsible for my own life. And that's why a lot of times you experience ruin. That's why you experience loss. And that's why you experience harm, because you take what God's job is to protect you. You take what God's job is to keep you safe. You take what God's job is. You neglect salvation. You neglect deliverance. You neglect preservation because you want to run it yourself. So it isn't that God calls these bad things to happen to you or anything like that. The problem is you decide to be Lord over your own life. That's the problem. And whoever's Lord is responsible for provision. Whoever is Lord is responsible for provision. So when I accept Jesus Christ into my life as Lord, what I'm accepting is you are responsible for providing my life. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and he'll add all things to us. Why? Because when I understand the, the benefits of salvation, when I understand that my only job is to seek out the kingdom, when I understand my only job is to seek to please the Lord, then everything that I ever have need of becomes the Lord's obligation because I am just doing what my daddy has asked me. Why? Because whoever is Lord is responsible for provision. All right. So let's keep it rolling. We have 43 minutes. I like that, Sandra. This house is under new management, right? When we got born again, this house became under new management. So you, some of us who, who may be saved, you got to make a decision. You got to make a true decision for your life. God, are you really Lord? God, I repent for being Lord. I declare that I'm no longer management. I don't even want to be assistant manager. I just want Lord to be Lord over my life and I do what he says. All right. So we talked about that. All right. We're not going to do a full recap, but what was the process? I opened, I declared my mouth. I believe in my heart. By faith, I am saved. And the only way to access salvation is through Jesus Christ. All right. So let's go to our next point. What is salvation? Oh, that's what we're on. We're on what does salvation cost me? It's going to cost me my life. All right. We got to understand that salvation is a gift freely given to us, uh, to all men, but in 
all men, but in order to have the gift active in our lives, we must participate in the process that has been outlined in the word of God, which is that process of we are being saved. How do I, how do I become saved, right? You are saved, all right? You are saved, you're delivered from sin and the consequences of sin, but uh, how do I walk out salvation? Philippians 2 verses 12 through 13 says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. And the Passion Translation, it says this, you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy all to God. So how do I fully man? So what is that saying? I am saved, but I am being saved. And how, what is salvation going to cost me? How am I going to fully manifest salvation in my life? As I obey God, I manifest salvation in its entirety. So what does that really mean, Ralph? So what it's saying is this, as I obey God, I manifest the full impact of salvation's ability to preserve my life. As I obey God, I manifest the full ability of salvation to deliver me from harm, to deliver me from loss, and to deliver me from ruin. So when, as I obey God, I walk out the fullness of my salvation, and it becomes as strong as it needs to be to prevent, pres- I mean, to, uh, to uh, cause me to be preserved and to cause me to be delivered. All right. So Hebrews two verses one through three says that's what that's the scripture. When you hear me say, don't neglect our salvation. That's Hebrews two verses one through three. All right. So what happens to you after you receive salvation? All right. That's what we're talking about next. What happens after you receive salvation? All right. In the Passion Translation and Second Corinthians five verses 17 through 19, it says this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, so if anyone has, 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 is in Christ, he has become an entirely new creature. Not only, have you, uh, not only are you under new management, but you are now a new creature, all right? All that is related to the old order has vanished. The Bible says, behold, everything is fresh and new. Verse 18, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, verse 19, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of, oh my goodness, that's so good. Not even, listen, as a born again believer, God has not even kept record of your transgressions. He has entrusted us to the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation of God. When you fully understand the impact of salvation, no longer will you keep record of other people's transgressions. Why? Because you'll understand what the love of God truly is. The love of God has has thrown as far as the east is from the west, has he cast our sins away? The Lord is not concerned about sin. The Lord doesn't think about sin. What the Lord is focused on is getting you not to neglect your salvation so that you can obey him so that the full impact of salvation can do what it was designed to do, which is preserve you and to deliver you from ruin, harm, and loss which is to establish you in righteousness, which is to help you to understand what that innocent verdict has given you. You can never be guilty. You can never be guilty. Why? Because you are saved. 
And Jesus doesn't keep record of your transgressions. Baby, there's nothing you can do to that. I mean, he, the enemy talks to you like, well, you didn't fast last week. Well, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't give that tithe that time. Well, you didn't buy them lunch that time. Well, you didn't do that. That's not, that's not it. God isn't keeping record of that. God has, God doesn't have the ability to remember your sin because you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Get that. Through salvation, I am covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. So the only thing that God can see when he looks at wrath is the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees perfection when he sees me. He sees perfection when he sees me. Why? Because that was his idea from the beginning. I didn't even come up with this. That was God's idea to make me perfect. That was God's idea to establish me in righteousness. That was God's idea to command his love towards me. That was God's idea to give me grace. That was God's idea to give me mercy. It was his idea to give me his goodness. It was his idea to hide gifts in this earth on my behalf. It was his idea to teach me how to get wealth. It was his idea for for me to be healed, healthy, whole, and healed of every infirmity and ailment. That was all God's ideal through the, th from the beginning. He made it available to us through salvation. All right. He made it available to us through salvation. All right. So we're approaching that 50 minutes. All right, cool. All right. So I'll hit this one real quickly. Is it possible to lose your, uh, to lose your gift? Hebrews 7 and 25 says it like this. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able also to save the uttermost completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. When Jesus saved, it's permanent. So when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life as Lord and Savior, then that became an eternal decision. All right. He is all the Bible says he is always living to make petition to God and to intercede with him and inter, intervene for us. Jesus is always there working on our behalf. He is always there working on our behalf. So no, so once you accepted Jesus to your life and as Lord and as Savior, then that that right there, Hebrews 7 5 says that that was an eternal decision. And Jesus is always petitioning on your behalf. And John 8, 31 and 32, it says this, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed forever. So I am free forever. Now here's the thing that people get mixed, mixed up. They think I'm not saved because they do something that doesn't look like God. Remember, you are saved from the consequences of sin, but you are being saved. So some of your character, some of what, what am I talking about? You're being saved. Your soul is coming into an alignment with your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. We are a tripartite being. We, we are a spirit. We, we possess a soul. We live in a body, right? So our soul man is the one that is being saved now. So there are characteristics of us that may not look like God, but that's the whole part of we are what? Being saved. And I'm not going to neglect my salvation. How do I not neglect my salvation? I obey God. And through obeying God, I give salvation its full power to preserve and to deliver me. All right. And 1 Peter uh, 1, it says it like this. 
There's no other name whereby we must be saved. Hold on. I must have typed that wrong. I did. I did type that wrong. It didn't, it didn't copy paste what I needed. So let me grab it real quick. First Peter 3. Let's know what First Peter 3 says. One. All right. First Peter 3, verse 1. All right, we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once again, Jesus caused us to be born again. Now, whether I accept that gift of salvation is on me. Why? By doing two things. Confession Jesus Lord and believe in my heart, right? It says, verse 4, to an inheritance that's imperishable. Your gift is imperishable undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm going to what? Be saved, right? Let's go to verse 18. Verse 18 says, uh, for you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which have been eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. So that thing is permanent. It's permanent. It says in verse 24, human beings are frail and temporary like grass, and the glory of man is fleeting like blossoms on a field. The grass dries and withers and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was announced to you. So the word is incorruptible. I was born of an incorruptible seed. So my salvation cannot be corrupted. It's imperishable. It's imperishable. All right. And summing this all up is next thing is how do you know that you were saved? You know that you're saved. The Bible says in John 3, verses 35 to 36, the father's love his son so much that all things have been given into his hands. Those who trust in the son possess eternal life. But those who don't obey the son will not see life and God's anger will rise up against him. So how do I know I'm saved? I know I say because I accept Jesus as my Lord. And when I accept Jesus as my Lord, I understand I'm under new management. And when I understand that I'm no, under new management, I'm not making decisions for my own life. And that you're you're not neglecting your salvation by being openly disobedient to what God is asking you to do. So if you're not hearing God and you don't, you don't you're not uh, have any feelings or anything like that to be like if you're sinning and you're doing all these things, there's just nothing there. I I challenge to ask yourself, what am I ask God, am I born again? He'll tell you, yeah, no. Because even if you're unsaved, you still have the spirit that draws men unto repentance, right? So, so so you gotta ask yourself, am I saved for real? Like, am I really did I really accept Jesus as my Lord? Am I saved? All right, I know I'm being saved, and I know I will be saved, all right, but Am I under new management? Okay. And and for the sake of time, I haven't seen any questions, but I've been looking at my notes and and actually at the screen. Um, we'll we'll wrap up because we're right here at the hour, and we want to keep these at an hour. It says, "What's required of the born again believer? Uh, you're required to seek out the word. You're required to mature. You're required to grow up. You're required to be nourished by God's word. Uh, that's First Peter two and two. Second Peter three and eight says, 
you are required to continue grow and increase in God's gray and intimacy with our Savior. We're required to begin to seek God's kingdom. What's God's kingdom? His way of thinking and his way of doing things. And doing so, what it does is causes me to have salvation and be able to work in its full power. And lastly, what's required of the born again believer? Romans 12 and 2. All right. We got to be transformed by renewing our mind, right? Because as I renew my mind, I, what I'm really doing is walking out my salvation by living in holy awe of God, right? I'm aligning, I'm agreeing with what the Holy Spirit has already done in my life. So recap, salvation has done three things for me. It has delivered me from sin. It has established me in righteousness and it has removed the guilty verdict from my life. I am innocent. Salvation is an in, eternal, imperishable gift given to me by God. I receive that salvation by confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart through faith I am saved, right? I understand that my salvation doesn't mean I'm perfect, all right? I understand that I am saved. I'm delivered from sin. I am continually to be saved. My soul is coming to alignment with God. I'm growing up and maturing. Now I understand that I will be saved, which means I'll spend eternity with Jesus when, after he comes the second time. And so that's what it means to understand salvation. Don't sell. Don't, 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 don't sell salvation short, all right? It's your preservation. It's your deliverance from anything that's meant to bring you harm, ruin, or loss in your life, all right? So I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. And the question is, are you saved? So that's the last thing. I don't want to leave tonight without giving you the opportunity to give your life to Christ. So if you don't know Christ as your per Lord and your personal Savior, and, that's, and you want to do that, or if you did it a long time ago, you want to redo it, right? You you can't say it too many times. I've said the prayer of salvation several times because you know what? Just in case, it doesn't hurt to say it again. So Lord, I thank you. I accept you into my life as Lord. Lord, I understand that I've been managing my own body and, and my own life, and that's not good. I want to be under new management. I accept you as Lord in my life, right? And, and I believe in my heart that uh, God raised you from the dead, and through your, your death and your resurrection, you rose with all power. And I thank you, Lord, that tonight I receive everything that you have for me through salvation. I know that I'm delivered from sin and all of its consequences. I know that I'm innocent. I know that I'm establishing righteousness. I know that uh, and I accept the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into my life so that it may give me the power to look just like my daddy in my character and my thinking and in my actions. I declare that my habits align with the kingdoms. Why? Because I accepted you as Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, I will always live for my father. All right. 